When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is People Every Day. Coming up, breaking down Ben Affleck's brutally honest new interview, discussing ex-Jen Garner and girlfriend Jen Lopez. Plus, Jana Duggar speaks up for herself in the wake of her child endangerment controversy and a deep dive into our emotional cover story with star and grieving father Nick Cannon. It's December 15th. Hello, friends. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Wednesday, it's cold out, and I am in the mood for curry. No, not the kind you eat, even though that actually sounds really good right now. (laughs) Steph Curry is who I'm talking about. The 33-year-old NBA star was already a legend in my book and probably everyone else's, but last night he cemented that status. So let me quickly talk basketball to you, which is my husband's favorite language. The Golden State Warriors point guard scored his 2,974th regular season three-point shot during the first quarter of last night's game against the Knicks. And with that shot, he surpassed Hall of Famer Ray Allen as the league's all-time leading three-point shooter. And he did it in 511 fewer games than Allen did. And most importantly, he represents my hometown, the Bay Area. So this is a win for me as well. All right, all right. In non-sports news, though, I guess still sports-related, we've learned that NBA star Tristan Thompson has admitted to having a, quote, sporadic sexual relationship with Marlee Nichols, the woman suing him for child support and pregnancy-related expenses. So this news is coming out of court documents he filed where he details their interactions, saying that Nichols, a personal trainer from Houston, quote, understood the limitations of our relationship, to wit, that we might see each other on a sporadic basis for consensual sex only. And, well, I should note that this relationship was during a time he and Khloe Kardashian were still together, which they very much are not now. In the filing, he is requesting a paternity test, and we shall see how that all pans out. Moving on, there are some other eyebrow-raising stories to dig into today. That's why I've asked people's Charlotte Triggs to join the conversation. First, in relationship news, Ben Affleck opened up on The Howard Stern Show and had a lot to say from his current relationship to his past marriage. And Charlotte, the number one headline involves Ben's relationship with ex-wife Jennifer Garner. Ultimately, we, we tried, we tried, we tried because we had kids. Both of us felt like we don't want this to be the model that our kids see of marriage. Biggest really compromise. I don't want them to grow up and go, oh, my parents. And you know what? I would have ended up we're probably at each other's throats. I'd probably still be drinking. You know, like right. it was just part of why I started drinking alcohol because I was trapped. Oof. 
Charlotte. Oh, boy. We know he's been open, you know, about his struggle with alcohol in the past. But this, this is some strong language about the mother of his three kids. I I need your thoughts, your hot take on this. I'm I'm trying to, like, empathize with what he must be trying to express and what what he's been going through. But it's really hard to not be kind of annoyed hearing him (laughs) project it onto her as if it's in any way her fault that he took to drinking again, a problem that he already had. You know what I mean? Like that that he resumed. I mean, it's like whatever these issues are, they're your issues. Like it's not the other person's fault. Exactly. And and, and the thing that's getting me is just, you know, him – not wanting to to discuss certain things in relationship and all that. And then now you get this word vomit (laughs) about his past. Like, come on. I mean, celebs do what they want. Yeah, he literally just said, oh, I I can't talk about my relationship with J-Lo because if I learned anything, I learned that I have to protect, you know, the privacy of it and like the magic of it. We have a very, you know, long memory over here. And and, and you don't need one for that because he just said it. Literally (laughs) last week, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And and so I want to talk about the the J-Lo aspect of it. Uh, How odd is it to hear your boyfriend talk about his ex in a negative light like that so publicly? I mean, obviously— I I don't know. I might feel a little uncomfortable just delving back into that period when we're just in like this honeymoon phase, you know? Yeah, you would think that maybe someone would be like, maybe don't go do Howard Stern. You know what I mean? Because like, maybe don't. I gotta (laughs) say, Howard Stern gets amazing interviews out of people, but everybody knows, you know, going way back into the vault, like, remember the Donald Trump interviews that he used to do back before that was even like a political thing? But it's like, yeah, incredible, revealing, embarrassing interviews with people. And we know what he wants to talk about, all the deep, dark secrets. So that was a choice to go on the Stern, you know, on the Stern show. And that's going to inspire a little some kind of something, some feelings on both for both women, by the way. And and just one other thing for my girl, Jennifer Garner. I'm if he was unhappy and that's what he turned to and, and started doing, I can only imagine what she must have been going through in that marriage, okay? Like, it just wasn't that. There was also the gambling stuff that had come up. They were having a really rough go of it, and she had those kids all the time. You know what I mean? Come on. Okay. I mean, he's talking about how, like, I I don't know if this was in the audio that you played. I can't remember, but he he said that he drank a whole bottle of scotch and would pass out on the couch. And then he, like, elaborated a little bit further that one of, that his rock bottom was to see how his children looked at him and saw him as this drunk. That mm. was what made him kind of snap out of it. You recall he went to rehab a couple times yeah. in the few years as they were finalizing, finalizing their divorce. That this is a lot of work, at least psychologically, for Jen because yes. she has to make sure that he's in a good place for the safety of her children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, marriage is hard. I get it for all parties. And there are a lot of different things that we don't know um, that have gone on in this marriage, clearly. But I will say this interview kind of seems a bit one-sided. But he but he talked about his, his current gen as well, <laughs> um, J-Lo, and talked about his hesitation getting back into that relationship. So let's take a listen to his response when he went there. My response to my children is the highest responsibility I have. So nothing, I didn't do anything that's that's painful or destructive to them if I can help it. That being said, 
you know, um, I know that my life affects them. You know, me and their mom are celebrities. I mean, I suppose it makes sense if you think back to what he probably, ex- what they experienced together as a couple back yeah. in 2003, 2004. I mean, they were, they were photographed absolutely every minute of the day. Everything that they did, we saw him rubbing her butt. We knew exactly the moment that he had bought a ring. Like everything mm-hmm. was chronicled and it brought a lot of attention onto his drinking problem and his like, partying problem at the time, you know yeah. what I mean? When they called off that that wedding, that, you know, he was in the hot seat. And it was just like a lot of attention. And he did then manage to kind of transition into a life where he is famous, but he flies largely under the radar. Mm-hmm. And J-Lo doesn't fly under the radar. Not at all. It's not how she rolls. <laughs> <laughs> she flies into the radar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and beautifully, and beautifully. Absolutely. Uh, but, but they are merging their families as well, which is a whole extra thing to to deal with that they didn't have to deal with 17 years ago. Where does his co-parenting relationship stand with Garner these days? And I, I feel like it might be a little complicated after this interview. <laughs> I think it's definitely complicated because it's just, I mean, if you look at it on the pure logistics of it, there's no way that it can't be uncomplicated. You know what I mean? Like, there are both people who have to travel for long periods of time to different mm-hmm. locations to, for shoots, you know, but by all accounts... Jennifer Garner and Ben were getting along fairly well, and he was, you know, having his visitation a couple years ago when he was in and out of rehab. Custodial rights came up for question. It was like people were worried. Mm. But you're right. It is really hard. Halloween? Yes, Halloween. They went trick-or-treating together. It's introducing children to one another at those formative ages. It's a tricky maneuver. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll have to see how this this plays out because if if I'm Jen Garner, look— Oh boy. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, let's switch over to another story um, that we've been digging into for a couple weeks now, um, the Duggars. There's just updates up the wazoo there. Yesterday, Jana Duggar, the oldest daughter of the 19 Kids and Counting crew, uh, who received a citation for endangering the welfare of a minor, um, she spoke out on her Instagram story about the charge. So we know she was babysitting some of her nieces and nephews when an incident occurred that led to this charge. So Charlotte, take me into what Jana said and what we know now. So Jana confirms a rumor that had sort of been floating around the internet that she was babysitting a bunch of children and one of them slipped out and, you know, made their way outside and a a stranger walking along the street saw the child and called the police and that that's Mm. why she was cited. Obviously, you know, the infraction is the infraction, right? It's like if the child was in any kind of danger. It doesn't really matter if it's an innocent mistake or not. This happened. Bad things can happen when a child slips away. That's not to say that it's not something that does happen. And it's not not to say that it's not a difficulty that moms or people taking care of children might face. But nonetheless, it's, you know. It's a problem. Problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I have trouble keeping track of just my two little ones. So I I am not throwing stones in anyone's directions. Um, And for what it's worth, Jana said, in the end, I was just upset at myself that it had happened at all, but so thankful it all ended safely. And that's truly what mattered most to me. Charlotte, thank you so much for for digging into all of this with me today. You're an expert on all things. Oh, thanks, Janine. Next up, People's Christina Dugan Ramirez takes me into her heartbreaking cover story with Nick Cannon, who recently lost his five-month-old son, Zen, with model Alyssa Scott. Stay tuned. 
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I am back now with People's Christina Dugan Ramirez to talk about an interview I think a lot of us were surprised to get. Just 10 days ago, Nick Cannon lost his five-month-old son, Zen, to a rare form of brain cancer. He opened up about it two days later, sharing his and model Alyssa Scott's unthinkable grief with audience members at his talk show. Since then, he's been an open book, talking about his and Scott's heartache and the outpouring of love they've received since their son's death. He's shown a tremendous amount of grace and spoke to Christina about his loss for this week's cover story. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Janine. Thank you so much. This is such a moving story. You spoke to him less than a week after his son's death. What was that interview like? I mean, were you surprised he agreed to do the story in the first place? Honestly, I was I was shocked. It was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking to sit down with him. We spoke for about an hour, and there were plenty of times where he had to take a moment and compose himself and it was obvious from my point of view that you know it took him it took a lot of strength for him and a lot of energy to really get into the details surrounding his son's death and the diagnosis. Yeah, and and one of the things to come out of that um, that really struck me was just how early on he and Scott were having end-of-life conversations for their infant. So can you share what he told you about Zen's diagnosis and, and the decision that their family made not to pursue treatment? Absolutely. So it came as a shock to them when... Zen was diagnosed with a tumor. It was called high-grade glioma. And when they when they found out sort of the prognosis, according to Zen's doctor, the prognosis is very poor. Um, basically, he had the option to undergo treatment, which included chemotherapy and more tests and all of that stuff, which, you know, would require require him to be in the hospital, connected to tubes, connected to wires. Mm. Alyssa and Nick, they didn't want to do it. From someone who's actually had to deal with, you know, chemotherapy before because of my own lupus conditions and uh, kidney issues, I know that pain. And I was like, to see that have to be on a two-month-old, that I didn't want that. Yeah. And and the part where he says, you know, um, talks about his autoimmune disease, lupus, and having to have undergone chemo himself and just knowing that that existence, uh, it, it was just so poignant to think about the decision 
that they made and and the fact that they didn't know how long they actually had with him. So I want to listen to some of this interview. It was probably some of the scariest stuff I've ever experienced because we'd wake up and like he wouldn't be breathing for like maybe five to 10 seconds at a time. And then he let out a huge gasp. And then that you could see like it frightened him. And so then he'd like be crying and crying because and then like that. So that was and I guess, you know, I I think that had started maybe a few days before. And so Sunday, I was like, you know, being in Orange County, like, yo, we got to go to the beach. Like we just like we just we have to like just watch the sunrise early morning, kind of just be there with him. And we got an opportunity to, to do that, you know, one last time, spend the spend the entire day at his last day at the beach. And um, it was beautiful. You know what I mean? It was, again, like when I say it was poetic, it was one of those things where it was, it was meaningful and so many small little things that, you know, when you have the universe or the most high force kind of letting you know everything is going to be all right. And that, you know, it's, it feels like, you know, maybe the end physically, but it's only the beginning spiritually. Like it was a lot of that type of stuff going on. That, oh, that. It just makes me want to cry just listening to it. What was it like hearing that, Christina? Yeah, I mean, same. It, you know, it brought up a lot of a lot of emotions. Um, first and foremost, you know, it's 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 evident that Nick relies heavily on his faith, but to hear him go into detail and describe exactly, you know, how Zen was breathing, how he wasn't breathing for five to ten seconds. Can you? I I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine watching your child go through that. It's so heartbreaking. But also, I mean, you you, you hear how he's been able to process it. You, as you say, his faith, and, and that that's heartening. So there's that. I mean, he, he's gotten criticism, you know, from all angles when it comes to his family for um, over a year now, I would feel like, the number of children he's had um, with different partners, the fact that he was so open about his grief even right away. Um, did he address that at all? I mean, what does he make of those who have something to say at this moment in time? You know, we've we've known Nick for a long, long time. He's He's been a public figure for forever, and you know he's very much aware of the judgment that he receives. You know when it comes to his life decisions, or like he says, he describes it as his non-conventional lifestyle and un- unorthodox lifestyle. But he did explain to me, you know, his number one priority has and will always be, you know, being the best father that he can to all seven of his children. And and did he have anything to say? just about, you know, what it's doing for him to speak out. Yeah, he he's a firm believer in therapy. So, you know, his therapist told him, we're going to take this five minutes at a time, you know, not one not one day at a time, but five minutes at a time. You know, I, I, I didn't want to hide anything because literally grieving, I'm going through stuff and I didn't want to sit and act like nothing's happening. Uh, so I knew, and, you know, even the, re- the reason for missing live TV on Monday, you know, un, in an unexpected way. Uh, I struggled. Uh, I struggled. Like, you know, do we do we just act like nothing happens and wait a few weeks and then tell everyone, you know, people aren't fools. They know when you're going through stuff. So I was like, well, look, I, if the goal here is to just be as transparent and as honest, and that's some of the beauty of having a platform. Well, any idea what's next for their family, for his relationship? With Scott, Nick said that they're they're basically just going to keep it 
very private the, on mm-hmm. those details. Mm-hmm. Um, but something he did mention, which I thought was beautiful, is that they are thinking about possibly spreading some of his ashes in the ocean in Hawaii. The ocean and the water is something very meaningful to both of them. They took their maternity shot shoot in uh, in Hawaii. But regarding any and all other details, they're going to keep it very, very private in between them. That was People's Christina Dugan Ramirez on this week's cover story with Nick Cannon about the tragic loss of his youngest son, Zen. For more on this, head over to People.com and make sure to pick up a copy of the issue on newsstands Friday. And guys, if you like this podcast, also check out the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. It's a weekday interview show where host David Yontef interviews real housewives, pop culture icons, and anyone else making headlines. David is a pro at making his guests feel at ease, but let me tell you, if there is a story to get to the bottom of, he goes there. The best thing about the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast is that, like this show, it airs five days a week. That's right, a new show drops every Monday through Friday. So what are you waiting for? Or subscribe today to Behind the Velvet Rope on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, something to make you smile. A family got more than they asked for when a package was delivered to their home recently. <laughs> While walking up to a house in Racine, Wisconsin, a UPS delivery driver had a little pep in his step and his voice. As he approached the porch, there was a complimentary basket of snacks, and he did not hold back with his appreciation. Listen. <laughs> That's right. He's a singing delivery driver with major skills. I've never heard Powerade sound so good. The moment was captured on the home's video doorbell, and the family said he put a smile on their faces. This is what the holidays are all about, you guys. Joy and cheer and all that good stuff. I'm going to run out and get some goodies for my delivery people. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow. 